I am adopted. That is important um, because we have been just talking about um, knowing God. There is a nursery? Okay, there is a nursery. And so if you'd like to use a nursery, you may choose to do so. Um, we have been just talking about knowing God. And then um, last week we didn't finish um, our, our message. And so we were talking about that adoption process as we're going to be switching into. But just as a matter of review, in this um, discussing knowing God through the year, we have um, discussed the fact that it's the most critical part because it is the source of eternal life. And as we've considered it, we've considered the existence and exclusiveness of God, the composition of God, the attributes of God in his natural, vocational, moral segments of it, but that God is, and he's the only one that is God, that God has revealed himself as one and yet three, and that God is limitless in all of his ways. He is sovereign as well, that he is the creator, he's the judge, he's the savior. We've discussed that he is holy, that he is righteous, that he is um, loving, that he is good. We've gone through a lot of different attributes there as well, that he has a great zeal for us as well. And then three or four weeks ago, um, before Canada anyways, we started getting into the names of God. And as we went into the names of God, we considered his title, that he is El Eloah or Elohim, meaning that he's God, the mighty one, is really the, the term means might or power, um, and that he has revealed himself as Yahweh. His name is Yahweh, which means the one who exists. And we saw then the importance of his name, that it is the direct representation of who he is. And that just as you and I have a name, and that is what we are known by, and that's what people refer to us as all the time, that is God's name, Yahweh. And so as it is a direct representation of him, it is not to be misused. And God has told us that he will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name. And so that concept of misusing or using it in vain means using it emptily emptily, if you would, that's with emptiness, having no meaning to it. And so a lot of times we think of that as using it as a curse word, uh, using it as a, uh, a, a term of, of derision, but it doesn't mean that. It just it means to use it meaninglessly, and that's what we talked about last week with the Jews and how they understood that. And that they actually, when they would uh, write um, God, in fact, instead of using his name Yahweh, they would say Adonai instead, okay, which means master or lord in English, and that's how in, the, in the, uh, the Bible today, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, you see the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and that refers to his name, Yahweh. And the reason it has Lord capitalized like that is because it comes from this Hebraic tradition of putting in the word Adonai, or Lord, in, in place of his name, Yahweh, because they were afraid of misusing his name. Okay? And so today, in the Messianic communities, they'll write l hyphen R-D, or G hyphen D, again, being afraid of misusing the, the name or the term for God or Lord. And I just think that's misusing it by putting a hyphen in there. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know, to each their own. But I, I just think, you know, if you're going to talk about me, I'd rather have you put B-O-B rather than B hyphen B. You know, it just kind of makes sense. You know, I'm looking back at Donald, and so instead of saying Donald, I say D hyphen N hyphen L-D. You know, it just it seems kind of weird, doesn't it? I mean, if you're going to use somebody's name, what? Use their name. Just use their name what? Properly. Properly. That's exactly right. And that's what God's saying. It's my name. Don't trash it. I mean, is that right? I mean, you know, bring it in our current vernacular. It's my name. Don't trash it. Now, what we started going into last week is, what's really exciting about this is the intensity and the importance of God's name, okay, that we looked at all that, is that now he has chosen to ascribe it to four special items, 
four special things. And last week we looked at the first three. First of all, we looked at that he ascribed it to his temple. His temple was called by his name. But what's really exciting, and we, we intimated at this last week, and I want to bring it up again t- today, is that his temple is also referred to as us. We are referred to the, as the temple of God. And so in 1 Corinthians 3, we read, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will what? Destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Do you remember last week when we were looking at those passages in Jeremiah that God said that this is my temple, which is called by my name, but you have what? You've desecrated it. You've brought in all these other idols. You are treating it with, as trash. And so now I want you to go back to Shiloh. Look where my, my name originally was set in that, the temple that was there, in the tabernacle was there, and what happened there? I destroyed that. And so likewise, I'm going to destroy this. And isn't it interesting that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, a new covenant, New Testament passage, that God brings that same analogy back over for us as believers. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God says, listen, if you treat it improperly, he's going to do what? He's going to destroy you. Just as he chose to destroy the temple that went by his name, because what he said was, I'm not willing to allow this temple that is being referred to by my name to be treated this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so very clearly, Paul then later on, three chapters later, chapters according to this, but later on in his letter to the Corinthians, he then takes the same concept of, of being the temple of God, And he applies it specifically, us men, in the concept of sexual immorality. And so God then says that he he brings this concept and he says, okay, you who are committing sexual immorality, you who are are outside of what God's bounds for sexuality is, okay, he says, do you realize that that is defiling what? The temple of God. And so when we defile the temple of God, what is he going to do? It's going to destroy us. Do you get it? I mean, there's an application here. Okay? And it's amazing. Think about it. Okay? I mean, I've, I've been honest about my lust of the flesh. And, and you, know, you know, my mom and dad are here, so this is kind of rough. I don't know how much they ever knew this. Anyways, growing up in per, per, pornography. Yeah. Anyways, um, you know, having one of the friends have just the stacks of magazines and, and, and putting that in my brain for years. Okay? And, and how much I struggle with that stuff. Today, it's, once it's in your brain, it's what? It's always there. Okay, Guys, listen. God is not going to allow you to hold his temple in contempt. Okay, This is just a side, so let's move on. But ladies, I know that you can struggle in the same manner too. So this is not just a slam on the men, but it's for, for ladies as well. But the application here is that he's chosen to ascribe his name to his temple. And then he's taken that application and brought it to us as believers. Okay, Which is exciting as we continue on through this. His city as well. And we saw that, again, he chose when, when the people um, defiled his city, which was called by his name, what did he choose to do? To destroy it. And then we saw that he applied his name to his Messiah. And we saw it revealed to Abraham, revealed to the prophets, revealed by Paul, and revealed by Jesus himself. Now what's exciting about this is the fact, again, that he chose to ascribe his name 
to Messiah, to Jesus, right? And that is in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 11, 25 and 26, we read, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, okay, who later became Paul, right? And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first what? Called Christians in Antioch. Notice what it says. They were first called Christians. It doesn't say, and the, the believers first called themselves Christians in Antioch. They were used, the term Christian was a term of derision. Little Christs. And so the church was mocked in Antioch with the term Christian. And it stuck. But listen, think about that. Too many people today are too ready to call themselves what? Christians. But I wonder if we had a survey go out in our neighborhoods about us, would our neighbors refer to us as little Christs? Of these, you know, choose all these different descriptors of, of, of your neighbors, Bob and Marcia, you know? Which, which are most likely to, to describe them? You've kind of taken those kind of tests, right? You know? And so now we're going to have on it, you know, selfish, rude, um, you know, bigots, judgmental, little Christs, you know, da 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 you know. Now, I understand they may not know the concept of little Christ, but would they, how would they refer to you? Would we get some terminology that would say to people, that would say that we are being little Christs to the world? Listen, God has chosen to ascribe his name to Messiah. Do you know what Christ means? Messiah. The sanct- anointed one, sanctified one, anointed one. That in, in he has chosen, I love this, I, I think this is true. I believe God worked through those unbelievers, giving them that name. Using that name in almost as a term of derision, as a term of honor. Don't we use it as a term of honor now? Christians. Only if we lived it. I mean, I don't think most of the world knows what the word Christian means. If you asked them to define Christian now, how would they define it? Some would if they're in a, in a socio-religio class and they're understanding that you mean it as a definition. But if I went out, to the, again, to make my survey door-to-door and I said, give me one word that, that would describe Christ, Christians to you. Churchgoer. What are you going to say, Phyllis? Good moral people. How about hypocrite? Anyway, <laughs> hypocrite. Um, you know, I mean, I, we're, I'm sure we're going to get a range of things, okay? You know, but the the follower of Christ, okay, should be it. Followers of the teachings of Christ, okay, should be the the, the definitive answer. Now, I come back now to the one who says the follower of the, the of the, the teachings of Christ, and I ask them now follow on questions, right? Because now I want to find out what. What do they understand about the teachings of Christ? Does that make sense? Because that's where most people, where that term, and the, the, what we would consider to be the complete opposite term, hypocrite, probably are going to become one and the same. Yes, ma'am. No, tell me that one more time. I thought I was tracking. I lost it at the very end. Like, if you have a, I feel like that, you know, you're saying, well, what would our neighbors say about it? Right, Okay. Christians 
standards. Right. Okay, right. That, okay, so that the world would see Christians, a true Christian today, having no standard. Because, they, because they, they would say the mantra of Christianity should be love, love. That, that's right, that's right. And that's okay. And, 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 but that's what I'm saying. In other words, you, you would have to define why they would say what they would say. Does it make sense? Okay. But, you know, are they judgmental because they are holding to a literal interpretation of the Bible, are they judgmental because they're not accepting of your alternative lifestyle? You know, we'd have to go into those things. But the, the point I was making as a whole is that most of us, honestly, aren't living Christianity. Some of us are judgmental, but it's not judgmental out of love. Because even my, you know, I mean, I understand they think love, love, and, and honestly, that should be a mantra, shouldn't it? By this all men will know that you are my followers if you what? If you have love for one another. Now, it doesn't mean you love everything. It doesn't love sin. But you do love the sinner. God demonstrated his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know who were the, the ones who would minister in the midst of the, the, the black plagues and stuff like that when, when everybody else was, was fleeing? Christians. Same with the lepers and everything. It was, it was those who knew where they were going when they died who knew they were already dead here on the earth, who didn't mind going in, because what, could, what was the worst thing that could happen to them? They, they, they could die, but go to heaven. So, right, so, I mean, you know, what an awesome thing, you know? And so they would go in. And, so it's, that's, and that's what I'm talking about, as, as being real ones who were being called Christians, because these people were willing, were willing to do what? They're willing to die for the name of Jesus. And so... Again, they're willing to open their mouth up. They're willing to proclaim Christ and to take whatever the results is. And God chose to ascribe his name as well to those people. Which leads us into this fourth one, and that is us, his children. This is so awesome to me. If you can, as we've gone through this whole thing about knowing God, and Steve in his prayer this morning, and as we sing how how great is our God, and um, uh, how great thou art, and, and considering the, the greatness of our God, and that he is beyond comparison. I mean, God spoke into existence the entire universe. He's beyond all the black holes, or what we think are black holes. You know why they call them black holes? Because they don't know what's in it. <laughs> they don't know what's there. <laughs> so it's a black hole. It's just what? Hasn't been exposed. You get it? I just think there's more wonders out there. You know, we're going we're gonna to build greater and greater telescopes and, and all these things, and all we're going to do is find out what? It keeps going and how awesome our God is. And that God spoke it into existence. And again, we'll do the analogy and cut it short, but if you're on Voyager and you're passing Pluto, and you look back, where's the Earth? You probably can't see it. No, you can't see it. There's no way. I mean, if Jupiter is just a little pin, pin dot in, in the sky to us, and it's 50 times the size of the Earth, when I get to Jupiter, I'm going to barely be able to see the Earth if I can. When I get to Pluto, 
wherever Pluto is and whatever it is, right? We're not sure if it's a planet or, or an asteroid anymore. Anyways, so whenever I get out to the, whatever it is, and I turn back and I look, I'm not going to see the Earth. And I'm pretty impressive, ain't I? And I'm just a what? A nothing on the Earth. You know, you know the Bob Seger song, not to bring it up, but I'm, I'm just a what? I'm just another blade of grass in a great big field. You know, I'm just a number. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm nothing. When you start to analyze the numbers of people there are in the earth, and who I am, it's like God says in his word, it's like a, the grass, which what? Groweth and what? Withers away. And yet, the one who is beyond all that, who spoke it all into existence, loves me with an everlasting love. Such that while I was at enmity with him, while I was his enemy, while I was in rebellion, he said, I want you. And not only do I want to redeem you, but I want to make you my own. Oh, let's go backwards. I didn't know I brought that up. And in Galatians chapter 4, let's turn there. We read, as we, this was our Bible reading last week, Galatians 4, um, verse 1 to 7. We actually started in chapter 3 last week. But we'll read just verses 1 to 7 here. It says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage of the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth his Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now you say, what is it? I don't see anywhere in here about the name. It is all through that passage. We have two things in our, in our culture by which we can look at this. First, one of them is, is um, um, my brain just went, when I get kids through the, the county agency, I am a, Foster parent, thank you. Okay, foster parenting. Okay, and then divorce. Divorce and remarriage. Okay, so now how do those go together? Now, if, if I, you know, you know we, we get rid of Tim and Ben, you know, I mean, really with the three, three of them older, we only have four left in the house. You know, even my mom and dad said when they came down, they said, man, it just seems really quiet with just four. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> we just have four. But, you know, in three years, Tim and Ben, you know, they're going to be up and gone. You know, they're going to be going to college, and then I'm only going to have two. What are we going to do with ourselves with all that extra time? You know, only two kids in the house. And so, Marsh and I decided to become foster parents, right? We bring in foster children. Now, are they mine? No, they're not mine. Do they, are they called by my name? No. In all the time, even though I have them as foster, parent, foster children for 12 years, from the time that they're six to the time that they're 18, they're always what? foster children. They're what? They're guests in my house. And, and from their perspective, from the child's perspective, they're always what? Not fully apart. But what happens with foster parenting a lot, and what the ultimate goal would be, is when you have them in, you steadily make the transition 
to the point where you do what? You adopt them. And what happens when you adopt them? They take your name. They become the fullest representation of who you are. They are given your name. Divorce and remarriage. It, it's, it's rampant in, in our culture today. And you have the divorce, and the, the parents split, which means the kids are what? Split, okay? Maybe they go with one, and let's say they go with the mom, and the mom gets what? Remarried. She has custody, but she gets remarried, okay? And so we'll use my kids. Marsha and I get divorced. She keeps the kids, okay? That's probably a good idea. Anyway, no, but anyway, she, 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 keeps, she keeps the kids, okay? We'll keep the analogy going here, okay? And so they all have my name, right? They have my name. But now I go off, and I, I marry woman X, and, and she marries guy Y, you know, whatever, okay? And, um, and we'll call him, what? Nobody here has the name of Smith, right? So we're getting in trouble. Smith and Jones are kind of aliases there, right? And so she marries Mr. Smith. Okay, well, the whole time growing up, I mean, Andrew is eight years old now. He's got another ten years growing up in Mr. Smith's house. But what's his last name? Corbin. Corbin. And his dad, this jerk, you know, Mr. Corbin, goes off after leaving his family and, and shacks up someplace else and, and, and doesn't do his job, right? He's, again, growing up, what, in a home with a man who's not his father. When really, though he may honor that man as his father, when is that really finalized that Andrew would say, Dad? When that man chooses to do what? Adopt him. It's something about that name. When you get the name you really belong. You're his. I don't think we get that. We live in such a, a culture of um, families. What do we call them? Dysfunctional. Dysfunctional. Blended. Blended goes in there, but it's because blended is because they're dysfunctional. And, and, and we just, families that are broken up and people don't know who they belong to and and they're living with uncles and cousins and grandparents and all this kind of, I mean, people they don't know. And, you know, it just happened to be, you know, that my, my de- mom was married to him when they broke up and she didn't want me anymore, so now I'm with him. And, I mean, it's just, it's weird stuff out there. And we haven't got a grip of what it really means. Listen, do you realize that the God who created the entire universe chose to adopt you to make you a joint heir. You're an heir of God. A joint heir of Christ. I mean, if that doesn't bring tingles to you, what does it mean to be an heir of God? A joint heir of Christ. I mean, to, what, what, what is Christ going to receive? Everything. I mean, when I die... Who's going to get everything? Let's say Marsh and I die together. You know, it's a beautiful, romantic moment. We both die together, okay? I mean, isn't that what stories are made of, okay? So we both die together. Who's going to get my stuff? Now, I understand it's joint custody here, but honestly, okay, if I die, it goes to her, okay? I mean, if she dies, it's mine anyway, 
my name's on everything. I mean, you know, she just has quit claimed into me. Okay? So when I die, and then Marsha's gone, who's going to get everything I have? The oldest son. No, you just get a double portion. <laughs> okay? It's, it's biblical. It's biblical. He gets the double portion because if I die now, guess who's going to take care of him? Okay, now actually right now, Jessica's, that's Jessica's job because she's, she's outside of that. But when he gets out of college, you know, that's, that's, his, that's his job. He's joking about it now. But the, the, the reality is going to come two or three years from now when, when, when he's out of college, you know, and he's in the world. And then all of a sudden, God chooses for us to die, and, and he's raising Anna and Andrew. Anyways, I, I think Gabrielle and Jessica are probably going to say, well, I don't know, we have to come alongside. <laughs> Poor Anna and Andrew. And, uh, yeah. But you get it? They own it all. Now, I mean, I may not have got a lot. But what I got is theirs. If I was standing here as Donald Trump or Bill Gates, and I told you these were my kids, and when I died, they got everything I owned, what would you be saying then? Check your food. (laughs) Whoa! Now you're impressed. See, for them to walk away with a table saw or a skill saw, you know, you know, it's not a big deal, you know. But but if I'm Bill Gates or, or Donald Trump, and now they're walking away with a billion buck, a, a billion. I didn't say a million. I said a billion. A billion dollars. Now we're kind of like, that's a lot of table saws. <laughs> that's a that's a lot of skill saws, you know. I mean, they they can build a big shed out back. But God, is of infinitely greater worth than even Bill Gates and Donald Trump multiplied together. And I'm an heir of that kingdom. It's all mine. And yours. I can share it, right? Because God has said that we can call him our not just father, but Abba. Abba. Father is, is, the, is, the, is the position. Abba is daddy. It's daddy. That's it's the, the term of, of, of that relationship. That's what we're talking about. The difference between oida, factual knowledge of God, and gnosko, relational knowledge. I'm not just his father. I'm his dad. I'm his daddy. Do you know, we talked about this in Father's Day, but do you know God as your Abba? I'm not trying to be mystical. But do you really know him that way? Or is it just stoic? He's my Abba. He's my daddy. It's so cool to watch how my God works in my life. Whether for good or for bad. <laughs> you know, the times when... when Bob needs to be put over somebody's knee, and now mom and dad are here, right? I mean, when's the last time, dad, that, that I went over your knee? It was a long time ago, huh? When I was in my teens. I, no, no. That, we have a great respect for each other. We understand that. I'm in God's hand. I mean, God, God can spank me a whole lot worse than, than my dad could ever spank me. Okay? I mean, at least I knew when I was with my dad, 
what it looked like and where it was com- where, where we were going to go. It was going to be downstairs. It was with a, with a piece of wood, you know, and uh, the Board of Education. So, anyways, it was applied to the seat of knowledge, the seat of learning. Huh? I could see it coming, <laughs> okay? With God, with God, though, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyways, but with God, he loves me with his everlasting love. I mean, Friday, we're starting to build that shed up that's out back now. If you haven't seen you know, when you, after the dinner, you can go look. It doesn't have a roof yet, but it's, there's a big shed out there. And, uh, and I mean, I went through and, and, and buying all these supplies, and at the last minute, I, we were loading up. And, oh, man, I forgot to buy blocks. So I, I ran in to, to buy roofing material and to buy concrete blocks so we could, you know, level everything out. And I went in, and I'm, and I'm grabbing blocks, and I thought, oh, I need to grab some more of those. And so I grabbed a couple more of the, the bigger ones or whatever. And so I got, and I said, well, it, this should be good. This should be fine. And so I went, and, you know, we're starting to level this thing, right? And, and, I'm, and I was, I'm praying during this. I'm talking to my dad, you know. It's like, I'm looking, Dad, you know, help me out. You know, I know you know how to do this. You created the, you laid the foundations of the world. I'm just worrying about a little foundation of a shed. And, and so, but anyways, I thought, okay, we're, we're good. So I'm, I'm walking out. When we got here and we start laying the foundation, right, okay, we were one block short. And then one of my guys turned around, and there, on the other end of the facility, is a block. The exact block we needed. Just sitting there. Now, I backed my, both my vans back there. I don't remember hitting a block. I don't remember going around a block. But sure enough, there was a block there, and it had some dirt on it, which means that, from our perspective, what? It, it might have been there. Just waiting for us to build the shed <laughs> and have a need that he says, what? I knew it. I just want you to know I'm a part of this, okay? <laughs> Isn't that cool stuff? And in John chapter 1, we're told, it says, Jesus came to his own. His own did not receive him. Isn't that incredible? He came to his own. The ones who were already called by his name. And his own did not receive him. But as many as would receive him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And so I ask you simply, as we go to this, have you done that? Have you believed on his name? Are you a part of God's family? I'm adopted. Hallelujah. I finally belong. I'm part of God's brand new family, overflowing with love. I know it's a song, but it's a great song. It's full of truth. Are you part of the family? Acts 15, turn there with me. Acts chapter 15. Beginning at verse 13. We read... In Acts 15, beginning of verse 13, it says, And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, this is part of that Jerusalem council where they're debating on what the, the Gentiles need to do, right? He says, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will rebuild its ruins. 
and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek Yahweh, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Now, in this passage, there are two two prophecies that are referred to, one in Isaiah 65 and the other in the book of, the book of Amos. And what he's saying is that, that he is extending the use of his name from the children of Israel, from, from Abraham. Remember, God specifically went and he called Abraham, Avram, from the land of Ur. And he says, I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And, and through you, all the what? Nations of the world are going to be blessed. And through the seed of Abraham, God began to place his name upon those people. They were considered to be the people of God. And God says that there's going to come a day when I'm going to spread that out even further. It's not going to be those who are called by Israel, but rather literally it's going to be called by by my name. Now, I don't know how many of you got Jewish roots, but I would say probably 0% of you to 10% of you at the most. Okay? We probably don't have Jewish roots, which means we're all what? We're all a part of that. Do you get it? Isn't that awesome? I mean, we were outside the covenants. We weren't considered a people. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter, quoting all this stuff, he says, now you who weren't a people are a people. Now, this is important because to the Jews, if you were outside the covenant, you weren't real. I mean, you weren't a person. But God made us who were not people to be people. And even beyond that, to take his name. How often, as you're walking out there in the world, do you really see yourself as, for, for me, Bob Ben Yahweh. Ben is the Hebrew word for son of. And so I have Benjamin, son of my right hand. And so it's Tim Ben Bob. Isn't that a cool game? You got walking around at Tim Ben Bob. Tim Ben Bob. <laughs> don't do that to him, though. No, don't do that to me. But I mean, how often do we. Just for today? Uh, don't do that. I'll be, I'll be in a world of hurt the rest of the day. He will not talk to me the rest of the day. Anyways. He will, not be, he will not be claiming to be Tim Ben Bob the rest of the day. <laughs> but how often do we walk around understanding ourselves to be Bob Ben Yahweh? Don? Well, for you, it may be Bot, <laughs> the daughter of. Anyways. Ben, ben is Bart. No, well, it doesn't matter. Barjona, Simon Barjona, it's the same concept. Ben and Bart is the same concept. Um, I've never heard it uh, stated that way. They're used interchangeably many times in the Hebrew. I'll look into it, though. Uh, no, it's, it's an interesting point. I would, I'll look into that. So I'll, I'll look into that. But you have like um, Ben-Hur. I'm trying to think. Judah Ben-Hur um, is the, the movie. But um, there is a, in the Old Testament, there is a guy who is the son of Hur. And I'm trying to think what his name is. Ben-Hur, Ben was an actor's name? Uh, no, he was the son of Hur. <laughs> Oh, you mean in the movie? Yeah, his name is Judah. Judah Ben-Hur, because he was Judah, the son of Hur, or of the house of Hur. Yes. So, anyways, but do we see ourselves as that? We ought to. 
We're walking around not just representatives of ourselves, not just representatives of my name, Corbin, but I'm walking around as a representative of his name, Yahweh. Isaiah 43, turn with me there. Beginning at verse 1. We read, But now, thus saith Yahweh, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am Yahweh your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. I have formed him, yes, I have made him. Bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring out their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, It is truth. You are my witnesses, saith Yahweh, in my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he, Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am Yahweh, and besides me there is no Savior. Note what God says. He says that he called us by our name, you know, drawing us to himself, so that we could be called by his name. Why? So we can be witnesses of his greatness, of his glory. There's a purpose for us being called by our name to be called by his name. And that is that we could reflect him in this world. That we could allow everybody to see our great dad. I mean, think about it. You talk about the ones you're proud of. How often do we talk about daddy? Abba, how often we talk about what, what God really did for me, what he did for you. Do you remember the day when you were called by your name and drawn to him so that you could be drawn, called by his name? Is it complacent today? Is there still the same joy today as you had back then? God called us in order that we could be witnesses and that you may know and believe him.
That's an Old Testament passage. Even in the Old Testament, God was saying what? He wanted his children to, to know him. To know him. Don't sell your relationship with God short. Finally, 2 Chronicles 17, 13 and 14 states, When I shut up heaven, and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. So many times I hear this thing quoted, this little segment of the verses left off. You know, this just humble themselves and pray. You know, but he didn't stop there, did he? He said, then we do what? Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will what? Then I will hear from heaven. And I will what? Forgive their sins and heal their land. I believe, 1 John 1, 9, that if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. But does anybody know what the word confession means there? The homologizomai? Say again. Go ahead. To agree with. To, to say with one voice. To say in agreement with. That's going to God, acknowledging your sin from God's perspective. God speaks in the, in the book of Proverbs through the writer of Proverbs, probably Solomon at this point, and maybe one of the other writers at the end. And he says, six things I hate, yes, seven are an abomination to me. At least two of them, potentially four we can derive into it, are lying lips, speaking an untruth. Now, if I was to be asked to define what six things, the seven maybe, are, would be very abominable to God. Where would you go? Murder? You know, I mean, killing, killing his, his own, I mean, that would be a, an atrocious thing. Making an idol would be really an abominable. Homosexuality would be really awful, you know. But God says what? Lying lips. Lying lips. You know, in fact, in, when, it, when it, it talks about those who aren't allowed in heaven, it talks about thieves, murderers, and liars. Liars. That's wickedness to God. That's an abomination. Isn't it amazing certain things that we find as acceptable socially, even to the church socially? You know, in other words, within the, the society, if you would, the, the social culture of the, the church. Certain things that we're willing to what? Say again. Overlook. Overlook. Yeah, just to, I mean, that, that's not a. I mean, that's not a big deal. I mean, we're talking about you know the man who's got his his father's wife, you know, and he's living with her openly. Now that's public sin. But you know, sharing gossip, gossip, you know, juicy morsels of things that we know. That's that's okay. But not to God. It's an abomination, Don. What were you going to say? Yes. Or about others. Or about how we should relate to others. 
Lies are lies are lies. Now, you know, and I mean, I'm not going to go off on lies here because I don't want to do a message on lies because we can go to Rahab and she was considered a woman of faith and da-da-da, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to go there. But as a whole, God says that the lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. You know, we teach that to our kids from the time they're little. Yes, but that's still a lie. That's right. I, I can't do anything right. That's still a lie. Because God says what? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Okay? And so... One thing, though, to tell a lie in public, and it's another thing, a lie that you tell yourself in your head, you know. But it's still... You don't think about those as lies. They're just... Good. Because, but who, cause who are you ultimately lying to anyway? Yourself. No. In God. In God. I mean, you know, you're lying to yourself, but you're really lying to God. And you know, when, think about when David killed Uriah and slept with Bathsheba, in his prayer that we read all the time, he says what? Against you and you only have I sinned. And, and I mean, the first time you read that, you think to yourself, what? Get a grip, David. You just killed a guy. You know, your son died because of your sin, and you're going to say against God. It's against you, God, and you only that have I sinned. That means I don't have to go out and apologize to anybody else. I just apologize to God. That's not what he meant. Okay? But ultimately, he understood that we're the ultimate source of guilt is directed to, and that is, it's to God. And so, to this thing, if my people who are called by my name, bringing it into our day-to-day, and I understand this is Israel, but we can bring the application, spiritual application to us today. I don't expect necessarily that God's going to heal in the United States because the church repents. Do you understand? That this isn't Israel. The United States is not Israel. Okay, you gotta get that out of your brain. But he would heal the church. And I would think that in healing of the church, in the changing of the church, in the blessing of the church, in the bounty of the church, that there would be a what? An effect that would go off onto the people that we are around, and that ultimately our nation would begin to feel the effects of a people called by his name who are living it like we really are his sons and his daughters. But that starts with us recognizing the wickedness that's within us, the ungodliness, the non-Yahweh-likeness of us, you know, that we really aren't living like Daddy, but that we want to. And then we say, Daddy, I'm in a pigsty. And I don't want to be. I want to glorify you in all that I do. Honestly, truly, believing that in our hearts and crying out to God for forgiveness and wanting to be conformed to his image, the image of who? God, but Christ, Romans 8 who we're joint heir with. That we want to be like him. You have been given, and I have been given, an awesome privilege to be called by his name. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, then God has adopted you as his child. That is an incredible privilege of sonship, to be called by his name. Maybe it's just me, but I just, it's hard for me to get past this. I mean, I just, I love this every time I think about who God is and, and what he's allowed me to be. Not just because I'm a pastor and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, his, I'm his child. 
I mean, I honor my dad, and I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm the son of Alan Dale. But infinitely more, and no meaning no respect, disrespect to them. What an awesome privilege it is to be called by the name of God. I want my kids to sense that privilege. I want them to be honored that they're my child, but even more, beyond me, I want them to fully comprehend and recognize the honor and the privilege that has been given to them to be called by his name. How important is that relationship to you? And finally, is there sin that you need to confess and turn from in order that your fellowship with the Father can be even more important? We are getting ready to participate in communion, a remembrance of the Lord's Supper and what he has done for us. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul challenges us to examine ourselves so that we be not judged. He says there are many there are, who are eating and drinking unworthily. And because of that, some are sick and some are even dying. Again, he's, he's my Abba. He doesn't want me to live in that wickedness. He doesn't want me to live in that sin. And so as my dad lovingly, back then, I don't know if I would have told you that, I thought it was lovingly, but because he loved me, he didn't want to see me live in an unrighteous manner, took me downstairs and tried to give me an attitude adjustment. Yes? So my Abba, my daddy, according to Hebrews chapter 12, Take me out to the woodshed and give me an attitude adjustment. And so we're told that we should judge ourselves. That we'd seek the Lord. Ask Him, is there sin in you that needs to be confessed? Sin that is withholding close, intimate fellowship between you and the Lord. Maybe today needs to be the day of your salvation. Maybe you've been playing the game for years. Maybe you didn't fully understand what it meant to know God to, as your Father. But I pray that you take some time right now to get that straight between you and the Lord. Um, in a few moments, I'll come and we'll close in prayer and we'll sing our, our next song. Okay? Let's pray.